think I was about uh, 25 years old when I really discovered prayer. Before that, I was sort of kind of, I sort of kind of prayed, you know, and I can remember soon after I came to church and gave my life to Jesus, the vicar was doing a bit of a pastoral uh, care sort of, uh, sort of run around after the morning service. Uh, we used to have morning tea in the car park for things. It was a it was a beautiful old church. So we used to have a there used to be seats that was sort of uh, permanently fixed around trees, and we used to have morning tea out in the car park. And I remember the vicar coming up to me and asking me, "How's it all going, Neil?" And I looked back and I said the dumbest thing to him. I said with beaming smile, "I said it's all going great, vicar." All my prayers have been answered so far. <laughs> I say it because I thought I was... What I did, I was trying to impress him. Yeah? yeah? I was trying to impress him. But what, I was, what it really did was it revealed that I had this unhealthy view of God. I thought somehow God was my cosmic delivery boy. That he had... You know, he was the spare tire in my vehicle of life. Just there when I needed him. So subsequently, this very wise vicar buddied me up with an older man in the church whose name was uh, John Nicholson. And every morning, every Saturday morning, sorry, every Saturday morning for two years, John Nicholson and I would have breakfast together. Just a bit of toast and strawberry jam, nothing more. But he taught me how to pray that time. He sat me down and he taught me how to pray. And it was during that time that I really discovered prayer and I connected with God in a very different and special way than I'd ever done before. And thanks to my mentor, John Nicholson, I am a different person today as a direct reflection of my prayer life with God. And so my hope this morning is not that you will understand prayer more, or that somehow you will pick up the right formula, or the right pattern of prayer. My hope is that you will gain an insatiable hunger this morning and an appetite to seek God and spend time talking with Him like you had never spent time with Him before. Now the scene is this. The disciples are with Jesus and they've been with Him now for a while and they've seen Him do all sorts of amazing stuff like taking a little boy's lunch and feeding 5,000 men besides women and children. One time Jesus spat in the dirt and made a mud cake and then put that on a blind person's eyes and he healed them. And here's what is really interesting. The disciples see these miracles, miracle after miracle, but never did they say, Jesus, that spit and mud thing that you did, I don't know how you pulled that off, but you've got to teach me how to do that. Never did they say, Jesus, I saw you feed all those people. Can you show me how you did that? We never read that in the Bible. But here's what they did say. And the Bible records it. When they saw Jesus pray, they said, Jesus, you have to teach us how to pray. Now, I don't know what it is that they saw, but we do know it was intimate he was connecting with his father. It was relational. It was supernatural. It was holy. Something about what they saw made them jump up and say, Jesus, show us how to pray. Now, obviously, there was 
uh, a deep hunger inside these blokes. And so Jesus did teach them. And in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4, Jesus shows his audience how to pray and he gives them the model of prayer. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forget anyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is not a set. This is not a, a group of words to be recited. The Lord's Prayer is a gift. It's a gift of an example. It's a gift of pattern. It's a gift of standard. Jesus intended that this pattern would be personalized and would be retaught by faithful men and women until he returned. When you pray, pray like this. So let's drill down this morning and unpack together and find out what it means to pray like Jesus prayed. And so what would that look like in our lives, in your life and in my life? What should we say? What are the things that we should do? Now we're going to look at five things. Five things that Jesus asks of us as we spend time in prayer with God. So the first thing, we should seek God's presence with a worshipful heart. Luke 11 verse 2, the second half of verse 2 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now the original Old Testament language was written in an ancient Greek. And the word hallowed in Greek means to render or acknowledge as holy. So Jesus is saying, when you come to the Father, recognize that He is holy. Recognize that He is pure. Recognize that He is set apart. So many times we forget. We forget that God is holy because we are so busy or we get busy so often and things of life set in on us and around us and other things are more important or so we think they're more important. And Jesus is saying you need to realign your priorities. You need to realign your priorities. He is saying that when you and I are spending time in prayer with God, we have to seek His presence with a worshipful heart because we are not talking to an imaginary friend. In prayer, we have the opportunity to worship the Creator of the universe. He is holy. He is all-powerful. He is in control. He is sovereign. He is big. And we are small. And so many times we get busy in life and we forget about God. We forget about Him and who He is. When we come to God in prayer, we have to intentionally seek His presence with a worshipful heart. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we must seek God's priority over our own. Does that mean we can't pray for ourselves? No, it doesn't mean that. But we are naturally selfish, aren't we? And seeking the priority of others goes against the grain at many times. So in the second part of verse 2, the kingdom of, it says, your, your kingdom come, uh, your will be done on earth as in heaven. If we were never challenged and we were left to our own devices 
and natural bents. Our prayer life, for the most part, would be about us, wouldn't it? All about what I want. All about what I lack. I want more money. I want a new car. I want a new house. I want you to fix this person in my life. Don't fix me, but fix that person because that person has issues. Correct? Correct. Here's the big idea. When we come to God in prayer, it's all about Him. It's not about us. It has nothing to do with us. It's all about about God. Amen, right? It's all about who He is. It's all about what He is doing and how He is working in my life. The big worshipful question we, we should be asking is, what are God's priorities in my life? Your kingdom come. It will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, how does God want me to spend my money? How does God want me to use my time? How does God want me to use what I have? The big worshipful questions we should be asking are, what are God's priorities for my life? But so many times we come to God and we think that He's the cosmic Coke vending machine. Yeah? We put our $3.50 prayer into it and we wait for the what? What do we wait for? The clunk. We wait for the answer to be delivered. What Jesus is telling us about true prayer in verse 2 is we have to come to God with the realisation that life is not about us, but it's about Him. We have to come to a place where we seek His priorities, His plans over our plans, where we seek an honest relationship with the giver and not the gifts that He gives. Jesus makes it very clear for us in uh, later on in Luke chapter 12, verse 31. He said, what does he say? But, but, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So the big question that we need to ponder is what are we honestly seeking? What are you and I honestly seeking? What's our life all about? And what is our first priority? Number three. Seek God's provision for your daily needs. Give us, day by day, our daily bread. I spent a lot of my formative years as a young believer in a very fundamental Christian community. And as the offering was taken up, it seemed we always sang a song called Jehovah Jireh. Who remembers that song? Yeah? It's really a strange song. Everybody has ever heard the song goes, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. It's got this Middle Eastern vibe to it, hasn't it? It's almost like you want to start to hop around. We would start it off very slowly and then it would speed up and then the whole thing turned into a bit of a circus in the end. But my point is this. There's a beautiful story in the book of Genesis that talks about God's character as our provider. In the depths of grief and adversity, God provides a material, emotional and spiritual solutions. In the midst of that, Abraham 
forever names the character of God in Genesis 22, verse 14. It says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And so many times I think we forget that God is our provider. Many times we think that we provide, or Kmart provides, or Woolworths provide, or McDonald's provides, or the Australian government provides. Some of you think that your jobs provide. Ask all the people who were made redundant and laid off over the COVID pandemic if their jobs were providers. When we come to God in prayer, we have to come to him in the disposition and in the place where we understand that God is our provider. Everything that we have, everything that we are, is because he has given us gifts. Jesus said, we, said, said we, when, when you and I pray, acknowledge and give understanding that God is your provider. Give us day by day our daily bread. What is it that you need this morning? Is there strife in your relationships? Is it in your finances? Are you struggling financially? Are you constantly battling with selfishness? What is it that you need this morning? And my Bible says that God supplies all our needs. Jesus lays it all out when he, when he is asked uh, to teach people to pray. He says, pray like this. Jesus said, pray like this, give us day by day our daily bread. Jesus says, come to God and make it part of your prayer to recognise that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, over the years, I have found that in the midst of meeting my needs, the Holy Spirit has reshaped what I thought my needs were. And then God has met those needs, needs that were deeper. But only when I submitted, I have recognised and acknowledged that He is my provider. God reshapes your needs when you ask. So things that Jesus said... We need to bring to prayer is, number one, a worshipful heart. Number two, seek God's priorities over our own. Number three, seek God's sovereign provision or province over our lives. And number four, seek God's pardon for our sins. Verse four says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive anyone who is indebted to us. Some translations say, forgive us our, tran our transgressions, as we forgive those who trespass against us, or forgive us our wrongs, as we forgive those who wrong against us. Or there's others, very different men, but it's all virtually the same thing. Jesus is telling us that as part of our prayer life, you and I need to come to God and we need to ask for forgiveness for our sins. For some of us, that's a, a once a week prayer. For others, it's every two minutes, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Ray. Yes. <laughs> Wherever you are on that spectrum, saying, God, I want to ask your forgiveness for the sins of my life. 
That should be a regular piece. That should be a regular portion of our prayer. But here's where it gets all twisted up. There is no doubt that many of us here need to ask for God's forgiveness, even on a regular basis. But there are others where sin is out of control. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's bad habits. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's rage and anger. I don't know what that might look like for you, but you've come to God in an attempt to ask for forgiveness and you've stumbled because you're unable to forgive yourself and you're still carrying that around. You're carrying it with you. You're not letting that go. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, God will forgive. It's over. It's done. It's finished. It's gone. You're washed clean. You're brand new. And so I encourage you here, as you come to God in prayer this morning and through the rest of the week, that you would, on a regular basis, come to Him, be humble. And ask for forgiveness for the sins in your life. So the first thing we need to, the first thing that we need to seek is to seek God's presence. That's the first thing. The second thing we need is to seek God's priorities. The third thing is we need to seek God's provision. And the fourth thing that we need to do is to seek God's pardon. The fifth and final thing that we need to seek is God's power to overcome temptation. It says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The reality is this morning is Satan is real. He is the enemy of your soul, and the enemy of your soul is real. He's not some cute guy that's wearing a red onesie and carrying a pitchfork that he bought from the $2 shop. He's real, and he hates everything that God loves. His goal is to destroy your family. His goal is to get you away from God, to destroy you and to shame you. He'll do it through appetites of the flesh. He'll do it and he'll bind you up in bad theology. He wants you to be a lukewarm Christian. He wants to have you uh, with a weak belief system. The devil is not all-powerful. He's not omniscient, omnipresent, sorry. He's not all-powerful, but he is very shifty and very intelligent. He will prey on your sinful behavior and leverage that against you. He will try to shame you. He will lie to you about God and about God's love and grace. He will tell you that you have enough time. Just enjoy your sinful pleasures. Hey, everyone's doing it, right? Just enjoy yourself, as long as you don't hurt anyone. How many times have you heard that? Satan and his demons will tempt you away from God and see your life floundering. Jesus gives us a strategy. Jesus gives us an insight into spiritual warfare here. Because temptation can come in like a flood. So when we come to God and pray in the middle of those temptations, you've got to ask God to give you the power to overcome the temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, You are tempted in the same way all human beings are. God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted any more than you can take. But when you are tempted, God will give you a way out so that you can stand under it. So when you are tempted and you turn to God in prayer, and that's the key here this morning, you have to turn to God in prayer, He will provide a way out. If you come to God asking for power and strength, He will grant you a way out of the situation. And it will be supernatural. I I can't tell you what it's going to look like or what it's going to feel like, but it will be supernatural. Or when it will come, or when it will be, but it will be at the right time, and it will be at the right moment, and it will be supernatural. So my friends, prayer has changed my life. God has taken me to new places. God has given me given me a, a revelation. God has given me excess. God has changed me. He has set me free, and He is setting me free. And it's all because of intimate prayer with Him. And it's all because a man called John Nicholson, when I was 24, 25 years old, took me under his wing and showed me how to pray. So my encouragement to you, when you leave this place this morning, I pray that you would be changed, that there would be a hunger for prayer, that you would search for it, you would seek Him, and He would change you. Some of you perhaps are stuck in a rut in your Christian life, and I believe prayer is the issue that you need to get hold of this morning. So please pray with me. God, I just come to you right now. You are our provider and you are our healer. I just pray that you would come to our rescue, that you would seek and speak into lives this morning. That we would pursue you, that we would chase you, that we would hunger after you. And in the coming, Lord, that you would transform our lives. That we would never be the same again after an engagement and experience with you in prayer. Jesus, please come to us. We pray this in your name. Amen.